1: This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO.
2: Welcome to the new series of the Olive Magazine podcast, Kitchen Crafting. I'm Janine, Deputy Editor and Podcast Host, and each week I'll be joined by an expert in their field to take a dive into a specialist subject. This week I find out how easy it is to grow your own fruit and veg, even if you only have a tiny outside space. So I'm delighted to be welcoming two great guests to the podcast today. First, food writer, stylist, author, and Olive Magazine's new columnist, Rosie Burkett. And alongside her, food and travel presenter, digital creator, and mastermind of the brilliant Pot to Pickle urban garden series on YouTube, Leila Kazim. Welcome, Rosie and (laughs) Leila.
0: Hello. Um,
2: Rosie, you suggested Leila for this, didn't you? Because I think she's become a bit of a gardening guru to you. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so Le- Layla started an amazing Instagram video series earlier in the year um, about growing fruiting uh, vegetables in pots and having. I mean, I've I've grown a little bit on my allotment. Um, uh, in previous years and this year we moved into a house with a garden and um I was sort of following Layla's videos um because she basically just set out all these really practical amazing ways of of growing fruit fruiting veg in pots mm. um and it was a really good way to kind of get introduced to doing that
2: in my garden oh, um so, so, so thank you Layla uh, what was what was the inspiration for you Layla to sort of launch the series yeah well um
1: So I launched it in January this year when we were still in lockdown. And based on the previous year, Mm. I had, because, you know, obviously everything kicked off in sort of March, April time. And I noticed that, you know, once people were spending more time in their gardens, they really wished um, they could grow stuff. And I witnessed a lot of people launching into it around that time of year, but because they didn't really have much guidance as to how to go about it, People tried stuff and it didn't work. And I thought, I bet that um, desire to grow is probably still around this year. And I hope it is. And obviously, we didn't know how long lockdown was going to last back in January. And I really just wanted to create something that helped people to get started. Because also, I, I see all these beautiful gardens, like yourself, Janine, like you just said. People got these gardens a lot of them south facing getting huge amounts of sun and I look at them I'm like oh my god you could be growing so much in this but you probably just yeah. don't know how yeah. to and so the videos yeah. were for these people who probably just didn't realize they had the perfect environment to grow some stuff and to give them the confidence to be able to give it a go basically
2: let's start with like the basic sort of preparation how how much outside space do we actually need to do to grow okay
1: so i say if you can if you have the surface area to put a pot on it like a paving slab size will do and it gets a good amount of sun you can grow something that is literally all you need you just need a yeah because if you're growing in pots it means you can be really um uh what's the word you can you can really make the most of your space because you can move things around as well and I actually oh. prefer to grow a lot of veg in pots. So, it, you know, whether it's a, a sort of a porch or, you know, a fire escape, but just something that is outside. It does, for fruit and veg, it does need to be outside because it does need pollination from insects. But as long as it's outside oh. and it gets good sun, you can grow something.
2: What about sunshine? I mean, how much do you actually need? Is it as long as you can get them into the sun for a, a certain amount of time they'll grow?
1: Or? So... Most vegetables, and I would say probably the flowering, you know, the fruiting vegetables, they do need full sun. And what that means is six hours of direct sun at a minimum in the height of June, you know, in summer solstice time. So okay. they do need sun. If they're in less than sun, they will grow. You'll see them growing. You'll think, oh, they're growing, great. But what the actual harvest you get from it will it will just not be a lot or it'll be really small or they just won't ripen and it just will be a little bit of a waste of time
2: can you explain what a and yes. vegetable is because yes i don't yes, know what... definitely so
1: um <laughs> you can group i mean i would probably group vegetables in you've got root veg so things yep. where you're harvesting the roots things like radishes beetroots kohlrabi carrots turnips You've got a sort of brassica group. So they they do flower, but you don't harvest them for the flowers. Things like cauliflowers, broccoli, um, kale, exact kale. cabbage. And you've got fruiting vegetables. So those are the vegetables that have a flower. That flower gets pollinated and it's that flower that swells and sets mm-hmm. into the fruit. So these are well, things like, these are, you know, like the classic ones and 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 in my opinion the easiest to grow out of all vegetables and also very suitable for pot growing these are things like tomatoes aubergines chilies peas beans cucumbers squash courgettes i think that's most of them so 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 yeah yeah, when i say the fruiting they're the ones that flower and then that the flower sets to the fruit so the
2: why, why are they so successful to grow? I mean, why are they, you know, you just said they're one of the easiest ones to grow. Well, I why think they're particularly
1: that? good for small space because if you can grow mm. carrots in a pot, for example, if it's deep enough. But the thing about that is you've got your surface area of a pot, you sow your carrots, and then you pull them up when they're ready three to four months later. And that's all you get from that pot, that one bunch of carrots. Mm. But if you have a plant that fruits that flowers and fruits, you just keep getting more flowers and more fruits. And actually, the more you harvest, the more you encourage the plant to produce more flowers, which results in more fruit. So it just keeps going. So from one pot with one tomato plant in, if you keep picking the ripe tomatoes, more and more flowers will come and it will continue to do so from about the end of June until like, if we have a mild autumn October, it would just keep giving. And yeah. so you're getting the most bang for your buck. So if people are growing in pots, I do recommend to focus on the flowering fruiting veg because they'll just get more from it.
2: Amazing. Yeah.
0: And that's the joy of it as a cook as well, that like you say, the more you the more you pick and the more you use, the more you get. So it's it's brilliant. And then you can pass on to friends, you can preserve, ferment stuff. Mm -hmm. it's uh it's endless
2: if um so if i'm starting from absolute scratch what what are the what the basic equipments that i'm going to need to get going
1: okay so what you need you need your veg seeds which is a given you need pots and trays so at the start so this is assuming you're growing from seeds so at the start of the growing season Mm. you need some sort of trays that you sprinkle the seed on Um, And then once they're about a couple of centimetres tall, you separate them out into their individual pots, which will be small to start with. You continue growing them on in a sunny sheltered spot, such as a sunny windowsill inside your house. And then they will eventually end up in big pots, you know, the final pot that they stay in, about 35 to 40 centimetres diameter, something like that, depending on the veg. So you need the trays and the pots, you need compost because in these pots you you fill them purely with compost basically. Okay. And I would say buy the best compost you can afford because you do get you can find bags that are one pound two pound, but they'll be so low in nutrients that they just won't sustain your plants, and you'll end up with a, a spindly, upset veg plant. <laughs> so do buy what you uh, the best you can afford, and also buy peat-free compost you want compost that doesn't contain peat because our peat bogs are just being absolutely um just ravaged to in order mm. to supply the gardening okay. world with peat in the compost and actually i think it's going to f- yes I it's going to finally become illegal to sell but it currently mm. still is available so just try to avoid that if you can um you need some sort of support because some of the plants get maybe four five foot tall in a good year and you need so what I use are bamboo canes they're perfect very cheap easy Mm. to find you stick one in the in the pot with the plant and it just you tie it in with a little bit of brown string it just gives it some support on those windy Mm. days that we sometimes get you need labels You must label what is in the pot because you will (laughs) definitely forget. This is a certainty. Um, And what I do is I just take milk cartons and I cut strips to get a nice white, uh, you know, label. And then you can recycle them at the end. Um, I would also very much recommend you keep a diary of your Mm -hmm. veg-grown plans and escapades because you will, it will find it so useful comparing notes in the next growing season. So you'll be like, oh, when did I sow this? Okay, I sowed it then. It took seven days to germinate. So I should expect it to happen now. Oh, I harvested my first tomato at this date. And it just really helps you to assess where you are mm. and also to compare. Um, you will need plant food. And what you need is a tomato feed. And what I find really weird is that tomato feed is called tomato feed, but you actually use tomato feed for any of the flowering veg. Oh, okay. So if it's a veg plant that flowers, that sets to fruit, all the ones we mentioned before, you will need to feed it throughout the season once it starts developing fruit. And then one other thing you do need if you're growing from seed, you don't need a fancy greenhouse, you don't need polytons, you don't need any of that, but you do need a warm spot in your home because some of these seeds you will be sowing as early as January, February, like especially the really slow mm-hmm. growers like chilies and aubergines, which have to be started early. But these seeds need real warmth to germinate, often about 25 degrees mm-hmm. up. They don't need light. So what I say in my videos is, if you have like a boiler cupboard, or you know somewhere that is particularly warm, or above a radiator, then then that's that's fine. And that that's it. So you're just
2: yeah. I mean that that doesn't sound no. Too everything is absolutely <laughs> not too much. Not like no, seven different kinds no, of no, soil no. and different feeds, no. which is what I I perhaps yeah. thought. Um, so, when when you're getting started, you you've mentioned seeds. Is is it is it important to start from seed, or can we shift things on a little bit by starting
1: with can we buy plants? Rosie, I'll let you take this.
2: Yeah,
0: I, I would say that growing things from seed is is so wonderful and satisfying, and you know to have the whole to see the whole process through from seed saving or seed sourcing to you know harvesting fruit from your vegetables is is just an amazing thing mm. um, to do as a as a gardener and as a chef. But I'll caveat that by saying you know if you've if you're listening to this, obviously we're too late now to start sowing seeds. Um, you can give yourself a break and buy plugs and you can also make a visit to your local garden centre and buy, um, you know, already established plants and and you can take them on from that point. And I think it's actually nice to say, to take the pressure off a little bit and maybe subsidise your seed sowing and growing with plugs and, um, you know, plants that you buy because quite often things can go wrong along the way. You know, I planted out my squashes that I'd grown from seed, and I was texting Layla about this, oh and they God. all got um, eaten. I don't know what by, whether it was... They all just disappeared completely. So I think it may have been a squirrel. Um, so then I went to the garden centre and I bought myself a cucumber plant, you know, and, and I re-germinated I re- some squash seeds. Um, but I gave myself a break because you can't always... You're not going to be feeding your whole family on the basis of this. You know, I think don't go into it thinking that. Think of it as a a learning curve and a journey Mm. and give yourself a break and maybe buy a few plants either in your garden centre or there are some great resources online as well. Mm. Um, And you still get the satisfaction of um, growing them on and looking after them and harvesting from them, you know, and you'll still learn things from that process as well.
2: Obviously, we are a little bit later on in the year now. Um, so it'd be great for people to go and watch, you know, the how to germinate seeds because it is quite fascinating. But if someone wanted to jump in now, can they still join in or is it is it too late to kind of get, get something started? You
1: can, what, what are we in, if you like? You can, so most yeah. vegetables that you want to harvest in summer or early autumn are sown in late winter or spring because they need all those weeks to develop and then fruit and then ripen. But there are some things that grow quite quickly. And if we have a mild October and even mild November, because, you know, sometimes it really is mild mm. right up to then, they might still grow mm. into those months. For example, I'm currently on my fourth attempt at sowing at growing some French beans, but the slugs and snails keep getting them. So I sowed some more two days ago, and if they actually get past the slugs and snails, I'll probably be harvesting those in October. Yeah. Um, Also, things that are quick growers, such as radishes, um, are great to Mm. sow now. I mean, you can kind of sow radishes throughout the year, apart from the really cold parts of winter, but they're one of the first Mm. veg you can sow in March you could also sow things now that will overwinter fine. So if you're in a part of the country that that has quite mild winters such as the southeast, you could grow chard you could sow some chard now for example because last year I left my chard in the ground just because I never got round to taking it out and it overwintered fine and overwintering means mm. it stays in the ground over winter and doesn't actually die even though it should die if it gets quite cold but it cuz it was it, it just was fine and then it's now set to seed and flowering so i can harvest that seed to sow again also beetroot you could sow now and that can overwinter fine yeah so there are things the things that do well in winter are t- like root crops they they tend to sit and you kind of associate uh winter veg with root crops also there are winter hardy or winter specific salad crops like you can get winter lettuces which you would sow about okay. now august to see you through so that it's it's, it's there are things yeah, and you could do now
0: yeah chicories and things like that chicories and chards um and, and yeah like you say beet beetroots and radishes grow so quickly you can sort of keep sowing them as as Mm. long as the soil is and to be honest I would
1: say just try it because honestly people's gardens vary so much and you'd be surprised at what actually survives just like you've nothing to lose just try it it might it might grow and you never know
2: yeah yeah so so does it at the end of each grown season say I've got my tomato plant I've had a great crop off it does that mean that then that plant is done so I can't I can't grow it again next year
0: yeah, you can't you you won't be able to grow from the same tomato plant the following year. But what you can do and what what I have done before and what I really encourage um is to save the seeds. Um so when you've, you know, when you've got a lovely crop of tomatoes and you can do this from tomatoes that you haven't grown yourself as well. That's the beauty. Um you know, take a tomato, slice it in half scoop out some of the seeds. And then what I do is I just put them on a little, a couple of layers of kitchen towel um, and just dry them out on there. And then in a few days they'll dry completely and you can just kind of scrape them off. Obviously tomato seeds are tiny, so you have to kind of use your fingernail to scrape them off. Um, and then put them into little envelopes and label them. Um, so, you know, I've got quite a lot of mis- miscellaneous tomatoes from, you know, ones that I've saved from ones I've bought. Um, but obviously, you know, if you've labeled your plants this year and you know what you've grown, label them according to what they are and save them. And then you can get planting again next um, hmm. season, next year. So it's it's really worth saving season. And i did that with squash as well um and i've grown some squashes from saved crown prince uh squash seeds and that's amazing you know it's so it's so empowering to think you can just hold on to these seeds and you know Mm. cut out the middleman and hopefully have a harvest of some sort and if you don't have a harvest you have a little bit of fun in the process
2: stick around for more expert advice on gardening from Layla and rosie if you were going to recommend I know you've mentioned quite a few um veg there but if each of you were going to recommend a couple of things that people could definitely or at least have some success with or maybe just your favorite veg to grow what
1: would what would they be what's yours Rosie
2: well
0: I I think the squash is is one of the most satisfying um squashes and cucumbers although like I said this year I, I haven't had much luck with my cucumbers um, but squashes, I mean, just watching the plant grows like a triffid, like it's really quick the way it grows and the, the wonderful tendrils that come out, actually watching the process of the squash flowering and then and then turning into these bulbous kind of swollen fruits is just from a cook's perspective. It's just so satisfying and wonderful to watch. And what I've done this year with the two that I managed to save from whether it was a squirrel or a slug, I'll never know. Um, I've actually, I saw something about planting directly into yeah, I saw the compost this. heap. We must have seen um, the
1: same thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I, I we inherited this compost um, heap, which has a, a, a raised wooden uh, edging which almost means it's like a raised bed and we keep uh, a sheet of kind of plastic over the compost to keep it all you know nice and mulchy under there and basically I saw this thing about just cutting a hole in the plastic and planting your squash directly Mm. into the compost heap Mm. so that's what I've done with two of my squashes and so far they're just going absolutely amazingly um, so that's something i really recommend because they're getting so many nutrients from all the compost yeah. and they're also being slightly protected from whatever um whatever it is that keeps trying to yeah and they've got sabotage that's
1: what they love as well yeah
0: it, yeah yeah and so i'd recommend something like that but then if you want to start with something um you know perhaps you haven't got the space for uh fruiting veg maybe um salad leaves or herbs like I absolutely love nasturtiums because they grow really quickly they they have these beautiful peppery leaves they look fantastic they look beautiful in your garden they attract so many bees you know you can harvest the flowers and use them in salads and frittatas and they're just absolutely beautiful um and, and pack a real flavor punch as well mm-hmm. so those are those are a couple of my favorites
2: like
1: you love. yeah so I would definitely second Rosie on the cucurbit family. And this is basically, um, these are basically squash, summer squash, which include courgettes, patty pans, cucumbers. Uh, Yeah, because what's great about those is if you haven't got your planning quite together at the start of the year, it doesn't matter because because these are such fast growers, you can sow these much later Mm -hmm. than the previously mentioned aubergines and chilies. So you would sow these around uh, April, May. What I would say, if you're growing in a pot, most squashes are two sort of crazy huge plants to grow in a pot, but some of the cucurbits really work in pots, such as courgettes, um, mm. Patty pans—they—they've just gone bonkers. They're my some of my most successful ones <laughs> at the moment, and because they grow so fast, they kind of grow faster than the slugs and snails can get at them, which is which is a great thing. But my Good. other one vegetable I would always recommend to a new grower are tomatoes. Yeah, really? because wow. they're the nation's most grown vegetable for a reason. Touch wood, I have never had any problems with them they are tough for one they're tougher than and they're less um um what's the word they're less they're less they they're less fussy than chilies and aubergines firstly mm. um and the slugs mm. and snails are just not interested which is this is like if anything is can get past dogs and snails in my garden <laughs> it is taking pride <laughs> of place they just don't really you can see the slime trails on the leaves they've gone had a good going over but I think the leaves just are too tough for them. It's just not interested, and they don't eat the fruit as well.
2: Since we're talking about pesky slugs and snails, have you got any tips for people who might be Yes, grow, have a garden
1: <laughs> on a roof terrace, then you won't have a problem. <laughs> just be as high up as yeah. possible.
0: <laughs> it's endless. This year has been a particularly uh, virulent year it's been for incredible. the slugs and snails. I've, I haven't yeah. heard anyone who hasn't had a problem. I mean, we put out beer traps. So we filled little kind of uh, little containers and Tupperwares and things with um, beer and put them next to next to lots of the veg and flowers mm-hmm. that I was growing. And every day there are slug, there are drunken slugs lolling around in that beer. Um, but it still doesn't get all of them. Like there's there's still a, another load that are ready to chomp through everything. Um, But they they do work. I mean, they limit the damage. And then another really good thing is copper tape. So if you buy copper tape and put that, and the good thing about that is you can put it around your pots. um, And supposedly that does have um, a a kind of deterrent effect on the slugs as well.
2: Yeah. I mean, presumably they do um, provide some kind of service or they're just just a horrible pest. (laughs) I don't know.
0: Well, uh, things like hedgehogs feed on slugs um, and other kind of other wildlife in your garden will feed on the slugs. And I know there are some species of slugs that actually kind of get quite predatory and ward off the other slugs. And there are some slugs that don't eat, um, don't eat plants. Okay.
1: So Uh, not all all slugs are bad (laughs) then.
0: They're not all totally pointless. No,
1: they're important de- <laughs> detritivores, so they, they break down the decaying yeah. matter, Ooh. but they're an absolute yeah. pain in every yeah. gardener's backside. Uh Rosie's right, there are slugs. If you see a leopard slug and it literally has spots, Ooh. it looks like a leopard, <gasps> they are pred- predators and they don't eat healthy, alive plants. So if you see them, leave them. They're, they're really, they are
0: beautiful as they're well. They're really
1: amazing. They can get really big as well. As Rosie said, I find the most effective thing is copper tape. You could buy mm. tape online. I would say buy the wide tape. You can get them in different widths. If it's too narrow, they just will cross it. Because what happens is when slugs cross copper, they feel a very slight electric charge, which is enough to deter most mm. of them. And what's good is you could put them around the pots And what I also do is if I plant something in the ground, such as into my borders, I've got like purple sprouted broccoli, I take a milk carton, cut it in half and cut the base off so I've got a plastic collar and then I'll put copper tape around Mm. that and I'll put that collar around the plant in the border so it's got a little bit of protection and I think it's working amazingly.
0: That's like a kind of DIY slug, yes. slug ring because you can buy these copper, copper yeah, rings yeah. but they're quite dear. So that's quite a good, a and good what I would say is,
1: there. please don't use slug pellets because you're literally putting poison into the mm. environment. The way to to stay on top of them, it's a multi-pronged defence. Don't rely on one thing. Yeah. Do the beer trap, put the copper, put the eggshells, put the wool out, do all of it and then you will limit it. Yeah. And also, also, as Rosie said, if you can get hedgehogs, frogs, or toads in your garden, I have a wildlife area, I have a pond. They yeah. eat those, and they will help. <laughs> um, but otherwise, it's just part of your. Oh, and yeah. another thing that Monty Don says is the best defense against slugs and snails is just a healthy, fast-growing plant because they're they're like they're like you know mm. a pack of lions. They will attack the weakest or youngest in a group. And they will generally leave mm. alone the healthy, strong stuff. There is one more pest, sorry, I just wanna mention. The one that I think is also, especially in an urban environment, are squirrels. Mm um but there is a really good defense the problem with squirrels is they will eat buds so they'll just rip off all your sunflower heads just before they're about to open so annoying they'll pull off your apples take one bite then drop it they swiped my first ripening (laughs) tomato the other day i saw him i witnessed him and he stared at me while he was doing it went on the fence took a bite (laughs) dropped it the thing to use which absolutely works is the hottest chili powder you can find and just douse it on everything mm-hmm. wow. because they're mammals; they can't tolerate the the, the caps capsicum. Yeah, like pepper spray. But it doesn't affect insects or birds at all. So wow. it's also a good idea to put it on your bird feed. If your squirrels keep nicking all your bird feed, if you cover it in chili powder, they mm. they'll just won't even go near it, and it really works. To give people the the
2: mm-hmm. motivation. Um, how long? Um, how much time? do I need to devote, say, per week, per day to it, and how long before I can eat something?
1: <laughs> well, oh, you know what, what else I would add to a first-timer growing something? For quick results, because it's always nice to have a success to base future plantings on, it's, and this you can grow this without outside space too, this works on a windowsill, pea shoots. <laughs> Mm, and and microgreens as well and the good thing about pea shoots is the seeds are dried peas and so they're very you know they're very easy to handle so really good if you want to involve kids as well to grow something and you're basically harvesting pea shoots within two or three weeks Um, and the seeds you buy you can just buy dried peas from the supermarket and that will you can just use that and that will go into you just need a plastic tray with like two inches of compost some dried peas put them on top there's a whole video of this pot to pickle by the way let water it leave it on a windowsill (laughs) and because you're harvesting them so early they don't need like loads and loads of sun because they're never going to get to maturity Mm. so it doesn't matter so you can put those on an east or west facing windowsill they'll still work so in that case you're harvesting two to three weeks and then conversely you've got some of the slowest growing veg which are I would say the aubergines and chilies so I sowed mine on the 11th of January I got a lot of green chilies but it's going to take many more weeks for them to actually ripen and the aubergines I also sowed on the 11th of January and they're just getting their first flower and we're talking six months later so it's, wow. is it, it, gardening does teach you yeah. the skill of patience <laughs> yeah patience, patience
2: in terms of like daily hands-on time what are we talking about just to kind of mm-hmm. reassure people that then they don't have to be out there for a couple mm-hmm. of hours each day
1: so once your plants are out in their final pots um they really need two regular things they need to be watered and in a, if we're if we have a summer like last year when it was really hot this is the most time-consuming mm-hmm. thing because if you know the more pots you have the more it takes to water but, you know, when we have heat waves that are over 30 degrees, you'll probably need to water pots twice a day you in the morning and then in the evening. You'll see the ends of the plants sort of starting to wilt in that sort of heat. They love the heat, but they do need the watering. That can take time, but I would say just – If you're like, if you just enjoy it and be mindful about it and use the opportunity to actually check over the plants, get close to them, see what's going on, it's it's a really nice thing, but it does take time. But the way to reduce the amount of watering you need to do is to reduce the amount of of evaporation from the soil surface. So one really important thing I would recommend to do is if you're planting in pots is to mulch the surface with something And a mulch is basically the term given to any material, whether it's organic or not organic, such as plastic, that you put on top of the surface that prevents moisture just evaporating. Because if you've got bare soil and there's 30 degree heat sun on it, the water just disappears. But if you've got like a plastic Mm. sheet on top, Mm. then it will stay in. And what I actually do is I use empty compost bags. Cut a circle out of it and you put that around the stem of the tomato plant, and that is the mulch. And it really works and really reduces the mm, amount of tip. watering you need to do.
2: Cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, mul- the mulching was a real revelation for me. I, I hadn't yeah. uh, picked up on that before. And um, I loved your tip about using uh, the, oh, the yeah. wool from the, the food packaging that, you know, if you're, if you're getting these delivery boxes or you, you get veg boxes with uh, wool, quite mm. often fleece packaging, you can use mm-hmm, the inside mm-hmm. of that for your mulch. Um, and also if you happen to grow sort of comfrey, um, which we've got a lot of in our garden, um, the leaves from that make a really mm-hmm. good mulch as well. It's just about being resourceful with your materials and, yeah, thinking about different things. And you really can mulch mulch with any
1: material. And then the other thing that takes time, which people often don't do enough, but it's like the whole point of the whole growing, is actually the harvesting. So when, yeah, Yeah, when fruit is ready to pick, it really is important that it is picked when it is ripe because the saddest thing is people leave fruit on the plant For too long it goes over and then it sort of goes a bit soft and horrible or gets too big like you know a courgette turns into a marrow and then it gets really tough and bitter and tasteless Mm -hmm. and it's like oh you you know all of that effort and it's kind of been wasted so I'd have to stress the importance of actually harvesting because people sometimes they get to the point where all the fruit is all the fruit is literally hanging there, but they, they're they not they're just not out harvesting as much as they should. Because remember the more you harvest, the more you encourage more flowers. So it yeah. is important to do it.
2: Yeah. So it's about finding um great ideas for using yeah. up all of those as well, which I'm sure Rosie's got millions in her yes. column coming up. Um thanks guys so yes, much like inspiration there and information <laughs> packed into that little episode. Um Leila, if people want to find you on Instagram, it's The Cutlery That's Chronicles. Right. Yep. Is that right? Um, you've also got an amazing YouTube channel, which has got fantastic food and travel videos. Been watching oh, thank some this you. morning. They're really inspirational as well. But you can't wait to get oh, back on the road wait. again. Yeah.
1: The and Pickle <laughs> videos are on Instagram and also on YouTube if people don't have Instagram. And my YouTube is yeah. also The Cutlery Chronicles. Uh,
2: yeah. And Rosie, you're doing our... Um, as well as doing our regular monthly feature in Olive Magazine, I think you're going to be talking quite a lot about your garden in that as well, aren't you? And harvesting and how you're using your patches.
0: Yes, I've been talking about my trials and tribulations and my my disasters and triumphs uh, in, with the with the kitchen garden, um, with lots of kind of culinary inspiration thrown in there as well.
2: People can find you at at Rosie Foodie on Instagram as well that's right well yes. thanks again so much for coming today guys I've learned so much and I'm going to go and buy some pots and grow something yay, <laughs> yay get
0: inspired thanks
2: that was the Olive Magazine podcast for more information on things we talked about in this episode and to check out our back catalogue of over 200 episodes head to olivemagazine.com and do listen out for our weekly bonus episode where Rosie is sharing one of her favourite seasonal veg recipes and explaining how to make it with perfect results every time